Okay, I'm off mute. What's up, you millions of followers? <laughs> Welcome to, to the number one number podcast, podcast in the heavens of Ashalon. Let me see that. How's it look? Is it up? We're up. We're live, ladies Welcome, and gentlemen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. We are world. live. We got our popcorn bowl in the middle. We're oh, really professional up. here. Yeah, we are, dude. I'm excited for this one. I'm way excited for this one. We got to tell the people what's going on. Tell so the people what's going on. So, Well, first off, we've got some snacks. Just in case. Just in case. So when I'm on a rant, you can enjoy yourself. I'm going to dig in. <laughs> this podcast is all about enjoyment enjoyment it's and about fulfillment. authenticity and just sitting back and realizing everything's okay you've just been lied to your whole life you just got to deprogram <laughs> and that's what sunday <laughs> service is for you've got to unlearn the learned it's true yeah dude this is going to be a good one you know this is kind of why we even started this in the first place yeah right yeah we talked about that already yeah should we go through the 99 list give an introduction to that or that doesn't matter yeah well i mean we won't go over the questions right, right. now but i think it'd be good to explain it do you want to start us off no you explain it because well i'll kick it off but you explain it so this okay. is actually stefan's idea but we have a list um and eventually we'll put it out so everyone can actually access it and, and see but it'll be a list of 99 questions that we have about the church and when i say church i mean the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints which is the church that Stefan and I were both raised in um, since birth. It has a very, very, very strong influence here in Utah. It definitely makes up your identity. Like it's the equivalent of like if you are a white man, it's like <laughs> that's your LDS. Like it's a full on identity. So these questions, these 99 questions are questions that kind of um, dig a lot deeper and question kind of the truth of things and, and bring it full circle. Yeah, you can explain. Yeah, that's that, you no. Know, you pretty much nailed it. There, I mean, it all started with. Um, I mean, it all started with us being a part of the church in the first place, right? Like we, uh, like you said, I mean, we grew up in this church, and I think that there's tragedies that have stricken in our lives. Um, because I mean, really, what it boils down to, right? When you when you're raised a certain way, and you're told that you know, you you plug in X, Y, and Z, you're going to get results A, B, C right? That's kind of where it comes from for me is that that's kind of how I was raised. And then I got to a certain point where that didn't actually come to fruition. What I was plugging in wasn't coming out. Mm. And um, by no means is this a way for us to have a, a platform to bash or just create yes. some sort of shit storm. This is more so for you and I to kind of selfishly discern for ourselves where we're at again. Yeah. But then also along the way, have people also maybe find a place in this, this discourse to find themselves as well, especially those that have been in the church and, and had questions and just been shut down ruthlessly. Yeah. Right. Like, for example, my, my, my girlfriend, she was raised, you know, very Bible belty, right? Mm. Like where, you know, my way's the highway, firestone, uh, fire and brimstone if you do something wrong like yeah. a very just and mean vengeful god right and so for her um yeah she she has those those questions right she'll bring them to like parents or to like church leaders and then she just gets slammed down like you need to just have faith yeah. so so this is again this is one of those things where i feel like it's a very important discussion to be had to totally. to be open to 
feel safe to be able to question certain things. Because after all, that is one of the things that the church espouses to be true, is to question with boldness and, and to seek truth. Mm. And so that's why I wanted to do this, right? Yeah. We have X amount of questions that we're going to be bringing up here in a few episodes to dissect and to use a Socratic method to find truth and understanding. And then hopefully have a better understanding at the end of it, right? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that the most important part, like you just said, is that safe place. I've always known that, but I just put two and two together as you were talking. There really is no, all the discovery I've done in the church, and I'm so glad you preface this, that this isn't bashing. We are neither pro nor anti-Mormon. This is neutral. This is like giving you the fertile ground to question things yourself, um, you know, and to see whether or not these beliefs are empowering in your life. But just looking back, it's interesting because all the times I questioned the church, I was on my own, actually, because I didn't, where else do you question it? Like you, I couldn't question it in my family or my parents because they were hard in it. I couldn't question it to leaders. Friends weren't at that point yet. So what do you do? So then you kind of go on your own little faith crisis by yourself. And it's very, it can be lonely sometimes. So that kind of just hit me, the power of the Sunday service of like, now there's a tribe that you can question it within and with others and bounce things off. And like, and to ask any, to be able to type, be able to ask any type of question without judgment or criticism. There's no stupid question. There's no dumb question. There's no blasphemous question. It's like all of them are valid. Well, what's frustrating to me, right, is that most, most churches, I feel like, outside of, outside of the LDS church, right, and I'm encompassing all of them, so the LDS church and every other church, like, if you question something, the reaction that the other person has, that's your authority or your elder, if they come back at you out of, like, hey, you shouldn't be questioning that, you should just believe in faith alone, right, and they're, like, upset at you for it, that's a response based in fear, yeah. not in love. Yeah. And so that's, that's also why I like that we're doing this because it should be approached with love. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we'll have some passion, we'll have some biases and you got to comb through that. You got to make sure that you get through that uncomfortable feeling because it's important to find the truth. And for those that feel suppressed in any manner or facet in their life, whether it be in politics, whether it be in religion, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, it should be wrought upon every question you have should be wrought upon with love yeah and if it's wrought upon with fear then the person is they don't have understanding and they're fearful because they're afraid of what it might produce in themselves and that should give you kind of some like you know that that's something we should really notice like if people are coming from a place of fear it's it tells you it's not a solid foundation right so you want to question it even more and i'm glad you talked about like other people you know, with it, whether it's politics or other things like that, because even if you weren't LDS, even if you didn't grow up in this church, I think you'll actually still find a lot of value from this podcast. Yeah, just the process at. of questioning things, the pro, because this is rampant. This isn't, it, it just happens to be an ironic timing that we're speaking about these things while at the same time, the government's also corrupt. The education system's corrupt. Like everything's kind of corrupt. So is it any surprise that there could be corruption in religion as well? Well, like, but, but I think that's to your point, right? That's, that's the thing is that, that, that corruption and, and whatever, whatever you want to call it, there's something wrong happening, right? 
like whatever you want to call it and, and whatever system it. it's like yeah. there's something that's off yeah, whatever you want to label it like it can be what you just labeled it it can be what somebody else labeled it the reality is something's off like yeah. something's not working and yeah. i believe firmly that that is because of the the suppression of discourse mm. right not being able to actually sit yeah. down Holy. and compare notes without like you know going to war <laughs> going to battle mm. it's like hey we're not going to battle here we're having a discussion so that we can both elevate our understanding and, that, and that's the whole purpose right yeah. to elevate understanding out of love not out yeah. of fear Holy. and that's that's why we want to do this right now and to hopefully help people we've talked about this in the previous episode but help people to detach from belief systems we've we've become so identified with our beliefs these days that when someone questions your beliefs or challenges you feel like your very life is being threatened because the beliefs are like who you are so it's starting over time to also detach from these and realize that like we need to better curate our lives and not just do what people tell us we should do or what we should believe but it's like really question things you know and realize that beliefs are choices you don't have to keep the same beliefs that were given to you when you were younger. You can question those and you can adopt new belief systems. You can change your beliefs. So hopefully this discourse will be a good example of that. Yeah. I and think, our beliefs I think will even probably change through this discourse as well. I'm open to that. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea is that there's a there's potential for you and I to, to truly kind of dig in and find Something that we maybe didn't think we believed in the first place. Yeah, probably not. We usually know everything. Yeah, probably not. I mean, we'll probably be all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what we're doing. So coming full circle on this, the, uh, the point here is that we're going to give a baseline of Talonized understanding of the church. <laughs> yeah, give you As, some context. Yeah, give some context. We both served a full-time mission for the church. We feel like we know the church pretty decently, at least from gospel principle and, and foundational standpoint. And that's what we want to go through. Provide some context and give you both factually what the church believes in and our own experience and what we believe in as well. Mm -hmm. Things that kind of caused us to believe certain things as well yeah. as we go through this. Yeah. Okay. So let's start it off. Let's start it off. I mean, well, here, here's the thing. When you look at, when you look <laughs> at throwbacks to the mission, I know we're going to go ahead and teach the investigator now. <laughs> Uh, everyone bow your heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anytime you'd have a lesson when you go on a mission, it was, you'd, you'd say a prayer first before you began. Got to invite the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So here it is. We can start. What, what do you think's best? Because, I, I because there's the very first thing that it teaches in, in preach my gospel. Okay. That's the kind of the missionary handbook, so to speak, is God's love. Yeah. And I feel like that's appropriate to speak of first because that's, I feel like a ton of people are stuck at that one mm. because a lot of people think that God is fear. Okay. Oh, wow. So you want to, oh, this is a deep one. So you want to go directly into it? Well, here's the thing we want to be able to get to the questions. Let, let's first do this. In at least that, a couple that episodes. That one's perfect, actually, because that's going to lead directly into our personal experiences. Because well, here's, here's the other thing. That's here's, the very subject where I started to first question things. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's the foundation, right? Yeah. So we definitely need to go into it. We for sure. Let's will. not skirt it. 
We, we, no. we need to go into depth. If we feel like we've covered it, then we, we can move on. We skirt this bitch. <laughs> well, let's start with first high-level concept for people who don't even, aren't even familiar with the church of like really what it is. So it's like the LDS Church or Latter-day Saints is they, they're, they're Christians. They believe in Christ. It's a Christ-centered church. They're big on the family. It was founded by a man named Joseph Smith in the 1800s who, you know, apparently saw an angel and God the Father that came down, gave him or showed him where these old ancient records were that were kept by ancient civilizations, which he then translated. It's a Book of Mormon that the church follows. And it's basically this organization that believes in the life of Jesus Christ and becoming more like Christ and reorganizing his church here on earth as one true church. Did you say that's right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably good to go over. Is it, yeah. Because people think the Book of Mormon is actually the Book of Joseph. Mm. And it's not the Book of Joseph, right? No, it should have been. That would have been cool. <laughs> but that's the confusion, right? Because, and we'll go into more depth on that, of course, but the Book of Mormon is basically what cements the validity for most if not all people that are a part of the faith because it proves that joseph smith translated some plates of gold into english that were reformed egyptian slash greek from well, dude this is an interesting times. topic because you always preach on your mission that like the book of mormon is the keynote of the religion right it's keystone and yeah. if the keystone thank you and if the book of mormon is true everything else is true right because well, can, Joseph, I, can I can I can I stop you real quick? One. Yeah, real quick. The reason it's the keystone, I think it's good to explain this because some people be, might be like, "What the fuck is a keystone?" So if you look at an archway, right? Any like, especially in old olden times, maybe we could pull. Up, should we pull up a picture to explain this? Pull up a picture. That's why I have the keyboard Show in front of me, ladies and gentlemen. A keystone. Yeah. So a keystone. If you look at um, an archway, right? Uh, like whether it be a doorway or or just a massive like passageway to a gate or something sometimes i think of like a gate but basically let me go ahead and change views did it change views on that oh there we go can they see it oh yeah okay oh, it's beautiful so this right here i don't know if they can see this but like yeah so this this middle piece right here that is the keystone right mm -hmm. now if that keystone this middle piece falls apart then the rest of these pieces crumble to the ground right oh yeah right here this is even better keystone is pointing it out for us okay so to your point right a keystone is uh the book of mormon so it's keeping everything together to prove that the church is the most correct church on earth essentially mm -hmm. right? yeah and if the book of mormon falls everything else crumbles yes and so right. I think it's good. We explain real quick what the Book of Mormon is. Just real, real quick. Yeah. And then we start with God's love. Yes. We're very organized Book here. Book of Mormon is, it's ancient. Think of it. It's no different than the, like the Bhagavita or like the Torah or the, all the different apocryphas. Like it's ancient text. That's essentially what it is. It's an ancient text that was discovered. But when it was discovered by Joseph Smith, it was in, you know, different languages, different Egyptian hieroglyphics. So through power and channeling, I don't know, he was able to translate the Book of Mormon into English or translate these records into English. Once it was translated into English, called it the Book of Mormon. And that's what we have today, an ancient right. text. Well, because essentially what happened, like if you look at, and this is familiar with most people, is that the Bible is obviously a lot of books 
that were compiled together, right? Like King James basically compiled what the New Testament is today, essentially. And the Old Testament is compiled as well of different books, Exodus being from Moses, right? And then you go to like various different prophets that have put together their, their lectures and their teachings over time. And so that's essentially what the Book of Mormon is. And what happened, just to give a brief history, is that you have like 600 BC is about when like there was the, I think, was that the Babylonians? I think it was the Babylonians that were about to take over Jerusalem. And so there were prophets inside Jerusalem that were preaching in the Old Testament and saying, hey, we're about to be taken over, repent. Otherwise, we're screwed. I think it was like Zedekiah or Zechariah. I think it was Zechariah, so like 600 BC. So during that time, this guy named Lehi, which is in the Book of Mormon, 600 BC, if you're following me, this guy named Lehi was given a vision of, by the Lord, and the Lord was like, hey, get your family and your shit and get the hell out of Jerusalem. Because <laughs> yeah. if you don't, you're going to be in captivity for the rest of your lives. And so Lehi was like, okay, shit. So he grabs like his family. And the Book of Mormon is just essentially the story of their journey out of Jerusalem. And I think they went to like through the, um, they didn't go across the northern part of Africa. I think technically they went through like the Indian Ocean. There's many different theories as to where they went. (laughs) But long story short, they left. They ended up getting instruction by the Lord to build a ship. They sailed that ship across the ocean and landed in either Central America, South America, or North America. And then it's just the story then of those people inhabiting that land, growing over time into a flourishing nation, eventually to the point where, yeah, and that's, and we'll go into more depth eventually, but that gives you kind of a baseline. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really big in the church because um number one it you know it proves the validity of joseph smith and of the church but also is meant to be like a a pattern of our future and that if we study it it can give us insight into how to avoid certain pitfalls right and that's well i think it'd probably be fair to explain how the leaders it can cure your anxiety too you just read more (laughs) (laughs) okay so essentially from there they they had like a huge nation the nation crumbled and and fell from within from iniquity right and then fast forward from that 600 bc all the way to 1800s joseph smith says a prayer in the sacred grove and is instructed to find the number one church he creates it blah 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 we go from there but we start first of course with god's love god's love is effervescent it has no limits, no <laughs> space or time. Okay. This is where I, so for me personally, this is the first time where I actually started to question things. The very first time. And like when you were young? Are you talking like post-mission or pre-mission? Post-mission. But it's the first time where I actually started to really, like, excavate. So, post-mission, Talon's 21 years plus. Do you remember questioning younger? Absolutely. I don't know if I do. I remember one time, but I I can share that, like, I remember several times in Sunday school, like, when we would bear testimonies, and it was just, like, I didn't, I didn't know. And like, but I felt left out because everyone knew apparently they were like, I know the church is true. 
And anytime they would share their story, it'd be like, you know, I sat down and I prayed to God and I said, God, is the Book of Mormon true? And I was just like filled with the spirit and I know it's true. And it's like, I'd hear these stories every Sunday, dude. And I never had one of those ever. So it was, that was really confusing to me as a kid because it was like, I'm definitely supposed to have one of these like churches for sure. True. Everyone's saying it's true. I'm born in it. Why am I not having this experience? But yeah, where's my earth shattering experience for this? And I never had one. And I just took that as like, oh, it's just not my experience to have one, but it's true. I'm simple minded. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, it start, I mean, everything starts with God's love, though. I mean, when it comes down to it. And that's something you've got to journey, journey, journey forward with on your own. I think mine started when I was like really young because my mom kind of taught that to me. She's like, above all else, like your relationship with your heavenly father is so important. And I remember both her and my dad being like, hey, like you, you have your heavenly father and you have your earthly father. Your earthly father obviously is dad, you know, my, my dad. And he loves you a lot, right? And I'd be like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, dad loves me, obviously. And it was like, well then, if your God in heaven is so perfect, he's your heavenly father. He loves you perfectly. I remember my, my parents taught me that really well. Mm. Like, like that God's, God's love is just unfathomable. Like it's just so pure. And anyway, I, I was taught pretty young about God's love. So I would say like my, my whole life I've felt a connection with a deeper and meaningful being and or entity that's out there um both heavenly father and jesus christ right yeah. that's kind of i kind of grew up with that but the, the time that i started questioning the validity of the church though was probably when i was in like junior high and it wasn't really necessarily about the love it was about other stuff yeah yes well and i remember thinking that the thing is really the dots really started to connect for me post mission when I was studying what's called the emotional guidance scale. It's by this person named Abraham Hicks and they can they can measure frequencies of emotion, right? Emotions emit certain frequencies and so it's this scale of energy from literally negative to positive. And on the very bottom of that scale of the emotional guidance scale on the very lowest is um shame and guilt and fear. It's on the very low to, lowest totem pole. And I that for some reason that caught me atten my attention it was so bold because all i remember is feeling so much fear in the church so much fear and so much guilt dude so much guilt from like all these conversations we've have about like you need to have a testimony or like speaking to the law of chastity or this or that it was like always so much guilt and fear and so then i remember connecting that to the emotional guidance scale and that those are negative emotions they're not positive. So it's like, how am I feeling all of these negative emotions and having these negative experiences, but they're being used to try and get me to do better? That's when I really first started like questioning. Gotta put myself off mute there. Just having Be some munchies. No, dude, yeah, that's that's definitely like What's so difficult is that parents, I think, would essentially use it out of fear 
because they're so afraid that their kid's going to go through the same mistakes and pitfalls that they went through. So they're like, this is perfect, right? We can use the gospel as a way to make sure that the kids do something right because there's this just entity, this being that's just behind the curtain that's watching everything that you do. So be careful. Is that He's like, watching. What's, what is, I'm curious, what is the psychology behind that? Like, why, why is it so distraught if your kid leaves the church or doesn't follow the principles? That's a tribalism thing, right? Same thing with politics. Like, like your, your parents want you to be on their team. Mm. Right? And not only on, your, on their team, but they also don't want to see you get hurt. Right? So out of fear and out of other things, they're like, hey, do what you're supposed to do. Mm. <laughs> like, and don't sin because it's horrible. Because I remember gonna... thinking about this the other day. I was like, wait. <laughs> Why is it such a big deal? If I want to wake up and wear a red shirt, I'll wear a red shirt. If I want to move to California, I'll move to California. If I want to vote Republican, I'll vote Republican. But like, if you want to question or leave the church, go to hell. And yeah, it's, it's like, wait, why? Why that not a choice like just all the other choices? Right. The end. Like it. It actually baffles <laughs> me. Like the more I think about it, I'm like, wait, what? But that's just an unhealthy individual, right? That's just a. It, it it all goes back to just unhealthy individuals that aren't like they before we even started this right you and i were talking about how there's questions that we've come up with right because again the whole reason we're doing this did i would we even explain martin luther no. we're just diving right in okay people are probably so confused we're just all over this. the fucking place right now but it's I, important that's why we wanted I, to have this first episode we're all over the place but like if you're raised in the church then i have a feeling you'll be able to like keep up and you'll yeah you'll if know if what we're talking about yeah anybody who wasn't raised in the church is like what the fuck is going on right now but that's why we have to keep stopping and explaining stuff yeah if you're raised in the church you probably know what we're talking about but okay martin luther was this guy who was a catholic in like the 16th century maybe in the 15th century and he was confused because there were so many just so many things wrong about what the catholic church was doing and back during that time nobody nobody had a bible in the common tongue in english to be able to under like the old english to be able to understand what the hell they were being instructed to do by the pope and these these like high uh aristocracy type of individuals right because you only knew latin if if you, if you didn't know Latin, you didn't know what was going on in the Bible. So you had to know Latin, right? And so the only way that the common people would know Latin is if they had enough money to, to be able to afford a tutor that could teach their children Latin. If you didn't have that, you're screwed. You don't get to know what's going on it's in the Bible. A little just side note. This just reminded me of today's age with the internet and how if we didn't have the internet exposing certain things, you just wouldn't know it because it's just hidden from you. Just like back then... They just took it for all truth because they didn't have the knowledge to know otherwise. Yeah, it was kind of like he who has the gold makes the rules kind of a thing. Oh. And that's essentially what it was. Like these, these poor, like the, the majority of the middle class and lower class had no clue what was going on because they didn't have the education to understand yeah. it. So Martin Luther saw this at, during that time, 15th century, 16th century, and he went, Okay, here's 99 questions of things that I'm a little concerned about. One of them, which was the most baffling to me, we talked about this on another podcast, is that you could pay ahead of time for sins. So like if you knew you were going to Las Vegas like this weekend, you'd be like, 
hey, uh, priest, um, here's like 500 gold coins just to go ahead and turn a blind eye to this weekend here because it's going to be lit. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're good. And the priest just pockets it. Exactly. That's, so he had tons of concerns. There were 99 questions that he put out there. So Talon and I kind of came together and were like, you know what? We kind of need that for the church right now. Yeah. Like, because the, cause Talon and I, we don't even know where we stand in, in some ways because we've questioned so many things to try and find the authenticity of where it comes from and have an understanding of it. And we're like, okay, there's no answers to these questions that there should be some answers for probably, and, or at least some transparency. Yeah. And there's so many layers to this. It's what, what makes this really tricky is that it's very convoluted because it's not, it's not black and white. It's not, is the church true or is it not true? It's like, that's like the wrong question now. Cause it's like, it's like everything has some form of truth. You know what I'm saying? But there's just so many layers to it. And, and now that the church has like grown, you have so many different aspects to it that we'll get into. You have culture, you have administration, you have business side, you have the church side. Um, but like bless Martin Luther King's heart because Junior. Martin Luther? Because <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. That bless was... This man it was just Martin who Luther. Put the 99 up. Bless Martin Luther. Because Martin Luther King was, he's 19. So he's like, he's the Are they civil, he's civil rights. No, no, no. Completely different. Okay, well, tell him that. But it is history. ironic, though. It's ironic that they had the same name, both during certain different times of in, ages of information. Mm. And because, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was fighting for the, for the civil rights of, of blacks and minorities. Whereas this Martin Luther from the 15th, 16th century was basically fighting for the rights of the common tongue yeah. of the, of the, of the middle class and lower class that were basically getting shafted by the upper class. So very similar, very it's, similar. It's crazy to think about that. Like this, it's not that different from today's climate of like, I, I would love to see a video recording back then of Martin Luther of posting this and standing up and seeing how much scrutiny he got. He would have been canceled back then. He would have been like, and so we're in a very similar climate where you can feel, like we said at the beginning, something's off. And it's time for people to start standing up and questioning these things, just like Martin Luther did. And, and from a good place, from a place of good intention, goodwill, like love, just to like know like what, what's going on here. Oh, I was on mute. I keep muting it because I'm worried, dude. No, 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 just barely. Because oh. um, I'm worried that it's picking up, picking up your shit. Oh, really? I hope there's no echo. I'd be so upset. No. Sorry if there's an echo, everyone. My, our, our millions of viewers, uh, excuse the echo. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so, okay. So, we've kind of given some more knowledge here. I, we're probably going to be doing this a lot because I really want to make sure that people understand what we're talking about and what we're trying to accomplish here. Right. So I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not worried about how sporadic this is, at least at the start, because we kind of expected that because yeah. the reality is, is that this is a very complex, complex ideology, right? If that's what we want to call it, ideology is probably a better word for it. But the, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of nuance to this. It's not as black and white as many, many people that are in the church want to think that it is. Yeah. And that's something that we should bring to light. It's something that we should all have a discussion about out of love and not out of fear. And that's why we're doing this. And, and right now, Town and I want to give a good baseline for what the church believes so that there's some context because we don't want to dive right into just these 99 questions because otherwise yeah. it'll look like we're bashing. 
Well, really not. I think it's important to question for those that are the silent few that are like, man, I can't question anything and they feel trapped. That's not a life to live, you know, for anybody under any circumstance, whether it be religious, uh, politics, um, at the workplace, in your friendship circles, right? There should be open discourse because Mm -hmm. it should be wrought about with love. And if not, you start to over time actually gaslight yourself because you start to say, hey, I'm doing everything right in the church. I'm keeping the commandments. I'm a worthy recommend holder. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Got married in the temple. And what? Where's your blessings from God? Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And then you start to gaslight yourself and you're like, ah, it's this, it's this, it's my. And then it starts to affect your own self worth and your own identity. And then you. And then you keep yourself in unhealthy situations all because the church is true. And you just got to endure to the end, even though like mentally, Dude, emotionally, you're, you're literally actually breaking down. 100. That is why I feel like I was in my marriage for so long yeah. because I was so prideful to let go of what was clearly already gone. Mm. Maybe not. There's a lot more nuance to that marriage and that relationship too, but very similar. Shout out to divorcees. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lead in the pack. <laughs> okay, so back to God's love. That's a good place to start because so many individuals think and feel that God is a very vengeful, spiteful entity. Rightfully so, because there's some pretty crazy shit in the Old Testament. But what's interesting, dude, is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. People don't really understand that shift. No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Different God, maybe. <laughs> bro egyptians were right all along (laughs) yeah Yeah, i know it's this is one of those beliefs that took me so long to overcome like to teach myself that god is a loving god who's not there to punish you and i'm not walking on eggshells in life in a test where if i don't make the right choice or do the right thing or talk to the right person then it's like i'm gonna be punished and then maybe not go to the celestial king like oh that was such a heavy heavy. belief to carry around of like always micromanaging my own life to make sure it was in alignment with like the justice of god like it was overwhelming dude it was overwhelming well think of think of this this is my theory with it and again that's the other thing that i think would be important to say we don't really know anything. I do. <laughs> We're not. Stephen's a, being knows a lot. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> we don't. I mean, Socrates, I think, is the one that said, like, a wise man knows that he knows nothing. Mm. Right? Like, Wait, you really know. <laughs> so we really don't know what we're... Oh, the biggest thing is, again, we're trying to make sure that there's some discourse here. There needs to be discourse. There needs to be open communication and love to be able to figure these things out so we can navigate life without having the highest suicide rate in all of the United mm, States. Thank you. I was just going to say we need more vulnerability. Like, I wish there would have been something like this, a platform, when I was questioning things where i could just be like oh my gosh i don't actually know this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm feeling i feel like everything's falling apart i'm having a faith crisis please can like you know what i'm saying just that safe space to be able to communicate Com- completely and that's that's kind of what i'm getting at so yeah we 
obviously don't know everything. This a lot of this that's coming out from us is our opinion and things that we've theorized based based off of experience. Which is and fine because so, that's what a testimony is anyway in the church. So we're bearing our testimony. That's essentially what's happening. Yeah. And we're bearing our testimony and trying to trying to get down to the truth and get some more clarity and and be able to feel okay to say stuff. So what I wanted to say, just coming back to what you were yeah. saying, because we're talking about God's love here. Do you feel that maybe your lack of understanding of God's love, if we're, if we're to understand that the baseline of God's love is pure, it's not conditioned, it is a pure love where, yeah, if you, there, there are certain things that he obviously doesn't want you to do, like kill innocent people, right? Or commit adultery. Like there's some pretty baseline things that he's just trying to help his children, his earthly children understand, right? This is, but of course he loves you regardless of what choices you make. But I think that if you grow up in an environment where your parents have conditional love, do you think that maybe you grew up with that and that's why it was hard to understand God's mm. love? Or do you feel like it was just hard for you to understand God's love just because of the concept in general? Interesting. Do you, do you, see, do you see the difference yeah, there? Um, what I'm trying to ask. No, I think you're right. I mean, we're a product of our environment, right? So the way that I ingested those beliefs in church and the way that I took them at face value is going to be filtered from the lens of my family life back home. Right. So yeah, no, I, that's probably accurate. And so what's funny is, yeah, all, it became this conditional love that again was earned. You earn it. You earn the celestial kingdom. You yeah. earn your recommend. You earn your, you're not worthy right now, but if you do everything perfectly, you can become worthy. And it's like, what a terrible belief to teach a young kid. That, yeah, like, right now you're worthy. trash. You got to yeah. earn your place. And, and I'm not even, I'm not even <laughs> embellishing it. That's literally what it was in Sunday school. It's, I can't tell you how many times my young brain heard you're unworthy. I literally can't tell you how many times I heard that verbatim. You are unworthy. So when you grow up, what is that going to do? Like, you're literally growing up as thinking as a human being, you're not worthy. So you have to do things and add things to add value and worth, which becomes this whole, whole which life in many, all too well. Which in many ways is never enough. It's, it's infinite. It's never enough. Never enough. And so then God becomes this thing that's like dangling this carrot that's like almost just keep hoping, keep hanging on. You almost got there. Oh, you almost had to be. You messed up. You relapsed. Like it's this never-ending, just carrot in front of a stick journey. And then you get to the end, and you're like, "Wait, I didn't even live life." Like it, it, it it's it. These beliefs have power, and they they shift your whole perspective. So, yeah, for sure, that was my core belief of God: is that it was conditional. I didn't question His love. But I questioned how I could receive and earn that. So yeah, okay. Keep. I'd love you to keep riffing on this, riffing on, riffing on riffing God's love. Because what God's I'm doing right love. now, I one of my favorite things. So, oh man, we'd have to explain this. I'll explain it briefly. So in the church, there's the idea is that that Joseph Smith in the 1820s basically restored Christ's church and the way that Christ was running things before he was crucified, which would mean that there's a, that, which would mean that there needs to be apostles essentially, right? Because Christ had 12 apostles. So the way that things would need to be run is to have 
new apostles, right? 12 apostles. And, and then of course, have a mouthpiece, have somebody that's actually receiving the true word from God. So the belief is that Joseph Smith became the prophet who receives the word from God. And then he has 12 disciples, 12 apostles, right? Who were then able to help with the word that Joseph Smith, the new prophet hears and to spread that word to, to others. Right? Ironically in olden times. Are you still really... are you on mute? Okay. Ironically, in olden times, that was like the prophet or source represented the sun, literally S-U-N, and the 12 were the 12 zodiac signs, the astrology of the sky. Damn. There you go. I didn't know that. That's sweet. We'll dive into that another. That's where religion really gets interesting. Dude. Because then you're like... The pagan things that are involved mm, with that. This is actually just a replication of something that's been here for a long time. And it really is actually just a vehicle through which like churches used to be like schools yeah you would go to these spiritual schools to learn how to become enlightened to then continue on journey oh, i love that dude we're gonna get into so much depth dude, with those things because i want to get into one, because that's the ca- one of the things i want to go over is that like so many mormons i see are converted to mormonism not yeah. to christ or to god and so in this reality we've we've really confused that line so we'll get into that a lot Yes, 100%. Okay, so... Okay, these are great. So I just wanted to pull up. So, so the reason why I wanted to give that context of like apostles and stuff, I mean, you know where I'm going with this, but every year there's two different conferences that come together where like the, the, the modern day today, like apostles and prophet kind of come together and they give you kind of God's word, right? They give you modern day God's word. Mm-hmm. And that's like a whole Apple other. unveiling event for the iPhone. <laughs> for God. <laughs> that's such a great way. <laughs> that's the unveiling event of new, new things that you can feel guilty for. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But seriously. No. Okay. But there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good stuff. And one of those, one of those apostles that's a modern day apostle today that claims to be an apostle, right? It's Dieter F. Uchtdorf. That claims. <laughs> that's, what that's what we're doing. We're figuring out if this is real or not. Oh my gosh. Okay, but I, okay so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. So I want to share this screen. We're on uh, good old Google here. Tell me if that changes. Did that change? I'm so unconfident with how it changed. No, it, oh, yeah, it did. The transition's just yep. a little long. Okay. So... Is this, can you see this quote or is, is the picture in the way? Okay, sweet. So this, so I want to go through a couple of these because he, so Dieter F. Uchtdorf, um, I don't even know much about him. Is he from Germany? I think he's from Germany, right? Yeah, pilot. He was a pilot. He's from Germany. He's a lot of, pilot from Germany. he's an incredible public speaker. Yeah. One of the best that I've seen. But anyway, so he, he, this is a quote from him. Think of the purest, most all-consuming love you can imagine. Now multiply that love by an infinite amount. That is the measure of God's love for you. I just want to go through a couple of these. Though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we, I love the, first off, let's just take a look at the way that this text has been presented. <laughs> Dude, that is, that was made in Utah on, by the Relief Society. Yeah, this is in Pinterest, 100%. Oh, yeah, this dude. is made for the board. Uh-huh. Okay, so though <laughs> but it's the context of the message, guys. Quit judging it. Though Quit judging these frilly letters. God loves us completely. <laughs> Come on, let's take this serious, dude. 
No, yeah, okay, so though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without compass, God's love encompasses us completely. If you can get past the lettering, it's a beautiful message. (laughs) But that's, okay, the reason why I wanted to show those things, though, is... Did that transition back? I hope it did. The reason I wanted to show that, though, is just because... There's this concept that, yeah, God loves you, but don't fuck up, right? If you do something bad, like, it's over. You're not going to heaven. Well, that's what took me so long to finally, like, register because I had never questioned it. But it was like, okay, define unconditional love. Because that wasn't a question, right? Everyone was in agreement that God is an unconditionally loving God. And then for some reason, we just stopped there and we never defined what unconditional love meant. Like, that's what's crazy is I started to study energy as I got older. It was like fear, guilt, shame, hatred. They can't exist at the frequency of unconditional love. It's impossible. So then it was like, well, then how do you have this God who just operates on both spectrums? And it's just like one day it's fear and punishment and you're not good enough. And the next day it's like, oh, I love you. Like, it was so inconsistent as a child for me. It was like, I, I don't know. Well, I think it's hard to understand until you become a parent. Like, I think you, I think you get a lot more uh, fully, you get, a, you get a fuller understanding of love when you have a child of your own. If you meant to have a child of your own, yeah. I should say. There's many people that accidentally have kids and then it's like, it's a rough situation. Um, but I don't think it's by accident that, you know, God had us as children, if that's how we put it, right? And so that, that creates that unconditional love. But, um... I think that it goes back to, to kind of what we were saying earlier, like how the parents need you to be on their team and they're trying to raise you to be a good person for the most part, right? You would think that's kind of the hope there. And so these, so these parents are like, you're only going to be the best if you're like me. Right? I, I'm <laughs> it's like, like a really narcissistic kind of thing. understanding of this one, but I just don't get it. Like, I'm thinking about me right now, if I have kids raising them, how much I'm going to want the overall well-being of that child. And if that has nothing to do with religion, I don't care. I'm like, cool, I want you to be on the best possible path. Right. If you can find those experiences in the church, then be in the church and give it your 100%. But that's that's because you've discovered that for yourself and you've been able to kind of get to a place that's probably more healthy than your parents got. I, I feel that for myself. Like I look at my parents and I believe that they raised me with the best that they could, no doubt. Yeah. But I do feel like had they been given certain circumstances that I was, I mean, there's a lot more things that in my childhood that happened to me that did not happen to my dad, right? Like my dad had a rough childhood in many ways, yeah. much worse than I did. And so I think that over time things get better naturally just because you're constantly trying to do what's best. You yeah. see what your parents did that you didn't like and you want to do it different so that your kids become better. Yeah. So it's tough though, because you have in your mind as a parent, what a good kid should be. And if that kid isn't towing the line to become that good kid, it's very frustrating as a parent to overcome that and look at them as an individual, but rather say, you're not towing the line. It's time for some discipline, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that if it's done the right way, 
out of love, then that can be very rewarding for the child. Yeah. But in many cases, some of these parents probably get super frustrated because they're losing that grip, right? That it's just kind of flowing through their fingertips, so to speak, that control of the child and helping them become who they believe is supposed to be the best child. Yeah. It, it gets convoluted and becomes very complicated. Well, and it doesn't yeah, mean and, that then... doesn't, and it doesn't mean that the parent doesn't love you. It just means that they're trying to do it out of a way they think is love, which is actually probably fear-based and not actual love. Does that, does, am I making it's sense with that? It's fear-based, yeah. But it, it's fear-based from the spiritual belief system that families are together forever, right? And so if you have a child that veers off of the path of the church, you're no longer a family together forever. Because to be together forever in the highest kingdom, you have to be in the church. Right? So it's like if your kids start to leave, then it's like we're no longer an eternal family. Yes and no, right? And I think that's where things get complicated. Is there there are lines that teachers in the church draw that are actually not in alignment with the scriptures. Right. But I'm saying that yeah, that's the beliefs that we're taught. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. Which which is actually kind of fallible. It's completely fallible because that's not how it works. Well, and it's not how it's actually designed in the scriptures if you look at it, right? Like, because in the scriptures, it's like, you do your best. That's literally all that it's asking. Gives examples of what that best could look like. Like, yeah, don't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery. Like, have pure thoughts. Be virtuous. Look out for others. Serve one another, right? Mm -hmm. And if one of those things is missed along the way, oh, you've got some stuff you got to figure out. Have confession. In other words, speak to somebody about it. Have a discourse. Figure out what that problem is, what that mistake was that you just made. Because obviously, if it's a sin, you've hurt yourself or someone else. That's kind of the idea of what a sin is, right? You're not helping society out here by what you just did. Yeah. You committing adultery just not only fucked yourself up, but you just ruined somebody else's home, which is a, which is a reflection of society. Because society and the way that we interact with others starts in the home. Mm -hmm. And so if you screw up somebody's home, that has a direct impact on society. And that's why those rules are so strict with God is because it's like, hey, like, you want to have a great society where everyone's giving back, everyone's helping one another, but you can't have that if you guys are committing adultery. Yeah. So that's kind, of the, that's kind of the mindset of what sin is, right? It's mm -hmm. basically living a virtuous life. So if it's outside of something that's virtuous, in order to repent, doesn't mean that you go and kill yourself, right? It doesn't mean that you go and like whip your back with chains. It, what it means is you go and you have a discourse with somebody. You talk about the mistake you made. Together you grow and you learn from it. You get that assistance and that dependence that you need from that person who's had the experience and who understands holistically how to explain to you what damage you've just caused. Unwrap and unravel that damage. Go through that process of healing and growth. And then come back to the fold, so to speak, yeah. to where you can be trusted again. So, so repentance is really just the process of having a change of heart and understanding of why what you did is wrong. Not necessarily like you're a terrible person, like yeah. shame, shame on you. It should be, hey, you fucked up. You made a mistake. Let's talk about it. Yeah. That's love, right? right? It's not the, con the conditional love in response to that would be, Hey, you're horrible. Yeah. Go ahead and spend the next four weeks in your room 
You yeah. don't get X, Y, and Z. You don't get this. Mm-hmm. But, but dad, mom, why? Like what? Explain to me. No, I'm not going to explain to you why. Mm-hmm. You should know. Yep. Right? And that's know. the conditional response. If you have someone that's healthy, I feel like it's, hey, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Do you know why this is wrong? Dude, holy oh, God. I don't know why that's it's wrong. So like, right? But Dude, that's, that one part where you're like, you should know. That, oh, you don't know why this is bad? You should you have mean, faith. You don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't I know. Yeah, am I different? Am I stupid? Why don't I know why this is wrong? Oh, maybe it's because I'm a kid and I'm just learning. That, and that's the issue, right? Is that you do have parents crying over spilled milk. And these parents should not be crying over spilled milk. They should be showing their child, hey, yeah, you probably don't want to spill the milk on the counter. Like, we want to keep things nice. Go grab a napkin. Let's clean it up. How did that happen? How did you spill that milk? Oh, I slipped, right? But it was too heavy. Okay, let's make sure if it's too heavy, you ask for help. Problem solved. And guess what? That wasn't a sin because you didn't know what you were doing. Right. And, and you don't know, and you obviously don't know why. You don't know the impact. Yeah. And I feel like the intention is really important here because it's like, as you're learning through this and becoming better, at least in my mind, this is how I think, I wish the intention wouldn't have been to become a better member of the church or to live with God again. That was the goal. The goal was be a better human being. That's it. Yeah. Full stop. Full, yeah. Like, be, be, remember who you are. Become more compassionate. Become more loving. Become better in your career. Learn how to serve more. Like, overall, just become a better human being. That's why you're here. But right. that wasn't the end intention. It was always, like, cater towards the, the church was always the end goal somehow. Either position or yes. like, like for the for for the glory of of Rome. Yes, <laughs> for the glory that's exactly of what it was. <laughs> and so then the the issue with that is that what you reward then becomes your belief system, and you put that on the pedestal. So then the church yeah. becomes this thing that's up there that like, oh, I'm doing these things to get like good in the name of like the church, the thing that will bring me the forgiveness, or the thing that will bring me the happiness, or the church becomes literally the god and i think that's where it trips a lot of people up when the goal should just be to be a better human being and the church is there to help you like, do that i like where we're going with this yeah i like this because we because again the, the whole discussion here starts with the love of god and i feel like we've we've touched on some really important things yeah. because i do believe that our understanding of god and the gospel and how this world works from a spiritual standpoint is, is a direct reflection of how we've been raised it's a direct reflection of who we've interacted with from a loving standpoint, who we espouse to be loving individuals in our life. Right? And it's like if you, yeah. if you have a parent and you do something wrong, it should take place in a loving environment of understanding and correction, not in a place of just beatings and... Yeah conditioned love and no 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 cause for discourse to explain what's happening which is just so wrong yeah. i mean it, children don't understand even if you're a teenager and you like and you're screwing around and you go to a party and you drink you screw up and you have sex right like screw up because that's according to to church and the gospel right you don't want to have premarital sex because of the different consequences and things that can happen and from a human standpoint i agree with that like if you take church out of it 
there's a lot of consequences that come from just having fucking sex for no reason, right? Yeah. Like, if you love the individual and you're building a very good relationship with that individual, it's kind of a different story. Again, nuances here. It's not black and white. But yeah. if, you, if you're a teenager, though, and, and we paint this picture where you go to a party, you get drunk, and you fuck some random girl, obviously, probably not a good thing. I, I believe it's not a good thing. Yeah. Because there's so many consequences. If she gets pregnant, even if she doesn't get pregnant, the kind of rumors that can happen at school. Like there's, again, this is so nuanced. There's so many complications that come with sex yeah. as a teenager. And so, okay, I'm trying to paint this picture, right? So we have that, that happens. You go home, you're feeling like shit the next day. <laughs> Your parents notice, right? That is when there should be discourse. Mm-hmm. Your parents, you should have a relationship, a loving relationship with your parents. Your parents, it's their responsibility. So if you don't, it's not your fault, kid. Your parents should have done that with you. Yeah. But the parents should notice something's up. Questions should arise. Discourse should happen. Confession's going to happen because the kid's going to be b- beside themselves, right? Maybe. I don't, that's another nuanced situation. Like, yeah. But again, we're painting a picture here, right? So if the kid is like, yeah, I had sex with some chick and I also got drunk. Oh, shit. Okay, son, sit down. Let's have a talk. Not, what? Go to your room. You know, like, there's so many responses that can come from that, right? Yeah. Especially if it's, if it's your daughter, if it's your son. Whatever the case may be, there's going to be some consequences. But rather than respond from a conditional loving standpoint of, like, hey, I'm going to beat your ass. Like, why would you do that, right? Mm-hmm. There should be... A discourse there should be a conversation because the kid needs yeah. to have some understanding for those consequences you see where i'm going with this i, 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 I do sense? and i think that was the goal like i'm seeing this in real time now that was the goal of religion it was supposed to just be an expansion of the home right what what the what the home the structure is to the family religion is to the that's what religion was like meant to be that bigger space and so you have to have this overall blueprint of the ethics and codes of life that can help you to live a better life, right? Which is word of wisdom, law of chastity, these things that the church actually does have. From a macro higher level, they make sense, actually. They put you on the right path. I think it's the follow-through of these and the execution of them and the intention. Like we, We've just gotten so far from the end goal. Like The end goal never was to be again like this great member of this church who's like this bishop or this or going to heaven it's like the the church was there to help mold you into a better human being that's all it was it was that vehicle that assisted you in that change and ironically enough religion should be the vehicle that teaches you how to unconditionally love that should be why you go to church you go to church to learn actually how to better parent your kids you go to church to, ha- to learn how to be more patient, how to be more compassionate, like all of these things so you can You're totally have right. discourse. But instead it's been reversed and it's like you have this conditional love in the household and then guess what? You now have a bishop's meeting that Sunday where you're going to go sit down. You're going to get all your rights stripped away from you. You're not going to be able to take the sacrament. It's just punishment after punishment after punishment. Yes. And you're basically just grinded into the ground. Your worth is taken away. And you are like, they let you know, yeah, you really screwed up. That that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, is that there's no it's heavy. There's no discourse for understanding. It's 
you screwed up. So let's show you yeah. in consequences how you screwed up rather totally. than let's have discourse as to how you screwed up. Dude, the, I mean, how different. why I started to question the church. Right. All of this right here of the like, just you get to a point of so much guilt and fear and like no discourse where it's like you can't breathe and you're like, is this right? <laughs> like, is this, yeah. is this right. how who, it's supposed to be? Who wouldn't question if it's right, if that's what's happening too. And that's what we're seeing today. That's why I think there's so many people walking away from, from just churches in general because of that, because it's not a, a, a place of, of being able to come together to sit down and be like, Hey, let's talk about this. Cause I think there's something missing like teenager. Like, I think there's something missing here. Let's talk about it because guess what? You're like, no offense. You're young. Like, and I think you understand that. Right. So let's, let's chat about this because I think there's some things that might brighten your perspective on this as to why you shouldn't do what you did. What, whatever that well, is. And there's a very subtle nuance there that you had, which is like, I think this might brighten your perspective, but even though you're younger than me and I have different beliefs and I have this vision of where I want you to go, I also know you're a spiritual being who has their free choice and you're growing on your journey. And it's not my job as an adult to freaking put you in a straight jacket and force you on the path I want you to go. Absolutely. And so this is, I think, what would be good to talk about the opposite of God's love, which would be probably Satan, right? That's kind of where Satan comes into play. The Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe. He's great. He's a good guy. We've met him before. He's amazing. Okay. So I can't remember where I was going to go with that. Um, the opposite of God. Which is Satan. Which is, he's a bad guy. I can't remember really what naughty. I was going to say. No, I think it's just, fear is not healthy. It's like, and it's, I, I feel like oh, my personal experience in the church was just like harvested off of fear and guilt. And like, and that was just like, I don't get me wrong. I have beautiful memories from the church. Like, this is where it gets really tricky is that my childhood in the church was lit. Like I had so many friends in the church. So many awesome teachers. I loved it. I loved, I actually loved the culture. I loved going to church. It was like, ah, oh, it was just so amazing, dude. And then I got home from my mission a little bit after. I just, things just started to shift. You know, things just started to Yeah, because you started to actually. a lot of good things. Yeah, you started to question something. Well, I mean, obviously you start to, to question things, right? You, well, you, you start get, to grow and you start to expand your knowledge and you start to see things that don't quite add up. Well, and I think as a child, it's a nice little bubble. It's a nice little play field to where you can explore with good neighbors, with people who love you, with good traditions that teach you how to be a man and baptism, which are rites of passage. Like it has a lot of good things as a child. But as you step into the adult world, you start to see that this, this world of religion or the church isn't quite now solving all the problems that you face in the big world. And you, you come face to face with this kind of dichotomy of like, Hmm, this like gave me this great foundation that built me up and I love it, but it's not really serving me. Anymore. In fact, it's kind of dragging me down. Right. I, and I like where you're going with this. I just remember where I was going with the whole Satan thing. And I think it'd be good to go over that because yeah. we're, we're talking about God's love. We're talking about how it should be unconditional. We're giving examples of what we think unconditional love is in the family unit. I think this is all good stuff because it brings into context of what we're trying to 
figure out what truly God's love is, right? And it basically is a perfect parent. I think that's kind of what we're getting at. God's love is like that perfect quintessential mentorship and, and parentship, that's even a word, that is so needful for a child's growth, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Satan, on the other hand, his whole idea, as far as we understand it from the gospel, is that Satan's idea is that everyone should be forced to do what's right, right? So you take free will out of it, you force people to do it right so that they can see for themselves that it is actually the right path. So it takes away agency, it takes away freedom of choice, and really takes away learning, if you think about it, right? It's kind of a communistic approach, honestly. Yeah. So why then, you being a church leader, or a father or a mother force your child to do something without an explanation. Force your child or force this kid to, to have these insane consequences that are embarrassing, that are guilt-ridden, that are based in fear. Why are you forcing those things on a kid who doesn't understand? And that's because it's fear-based. But it's directly in alignment with Satan and his, his idea to make sure that everyone's doing what's right. Because that, that, that's, and, and we'll go into more depth on that. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But yeah, this, there's this, this opposition in all things when it comes to Christianity. And one of those things is, yeah, God wants you to have free agency to build, to grow, to love. Whereas Satan wants to tear it all down, to destroy it. But initially Satan's kind of plan for humankind was to everybody does what everyone does what they're supposed to there is no free agency Mm. so it is it's ironic to me if that's the right word i think that's the right word that so many church leaders follow that disposition and they don't even realize that they're following that which which goes to one of those questions that we have on on the question sheet which i'm excited to go over we won't talk about that teaser that's the parody of it all is that like there's a quote that's like the uh, the the path the the path that you were on that healed you soon becomes the path that traps you. It, it's like this idea of like things are constantly moving, things are constantly changing and in motion, and you have to stay open minded because that's how you grow. So that's the irony of beliefs: is that beliefs give you structure, but if you attach too much to that structure, you stop growing. Because then there's other beliefs that'll break those beliefs that'll expand and you're constantly expanding, right? And so it's like you have this belief of being Christ-like and, and following God's plan, but then you get so attached to that belief that you literally, that, that very thing that saved you becomes a thing that traps you because it starts to bottle you and it starts to like close your mind. It starts to become one way and then it starts to almost become the opposite. You know, that, that process of duality. So I think there's something to say about that. But yeah, it's again back to I think a lot of members of the LDS church are converted to the church. I think they have a testimony of the church. But are they converted of to the God? Are they converted to Christ? Right. It's are, of the church and the membership. That's exactly it's, it's what it is. It's of being a part of a club rather than a part of humanity. Well, dude, even if you study like the history of baptism, baptism was a rite of passage. It was never meant to gain membership in an organization that's totally modern day like that was not a it was a rite of passage of you showing your commitment to a higher spiritual power 
And as you, as you partook of that rite of passage that, and you went under, it was then this personal omen to you to now be on the path. And that's why they called it born again. Because you've entered a different path of life, right? You've gone from the lower law to the higher law. Like it, it, was, it was all symbolic. It was very symbolic of the self. And, and what's even interest, more interesting is if you study the life of Christ, nowhere ever does he say to worship him. It, you can't find it anywhere. Because his goal wasn't to come to get people to worship. It was like to wake people up and, and let them understand their power that they have within them. And we say, see this on both sides of the coin with religion and government. It's like, just follow me. Don't ask questions. I am the leader. I'll never lead you astray. Don't, it's, it's okay. Just follow me. And it, it like slowly pulls you away from like yourself of who you are and why you're here. Dude, and in and, and no scripture whatsoever about Christ does he say those words. No, never. He's never like, hey, never. You, go ahead and just, you go ahead and just follow me only. Yep. yep. But what he did is he invited. Completely. It was all invitational. Yeah. It was all like instructional. Cause, not Because he not, knew it would enlighten your life. If you do what I do, if you follow me, it'll increase the quality and well-being of your life. And granted, there were commandments. Right. And that's, that's where I think things are interesting. But that's tricky because commandments back in the day were actually laws. Religion that's and government were yeah. one, right? So follow the commandments or you're going to be punished by God. It was like, well, no, that was the law back in the day. It was like, you'll actually be punished by the law. It wasn't spiritual. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. Christ's whole, like, purpose was to destroy the old way. Right, you don't have to sacrifice lamb anymore if you steal your friend's uh, sandwich. <laughs> right, like <laughs> you don't have to do that, or you don't have to sacrifice a calf if you accidentally break your friend's kid's leg for stealing your right. your bread. <laughs> Just go and say sorry. <laughs> so the idea was everything's internal now, not external. Right. Yes. And so yeah, there's certain commandments. And the reason those are commandments are because of X, Y, and Z. There's an explanation behind this. It's not follow blindly. It's like, well, why, you know, I'm sure like if anyone were to come to Christ and be like, hey, why do we do this? Christ would be like, well, yeah, why do you think? And let's talk about it. Let's have a discourse. Not, oh, it's just the way it is. Come follow me blindly. Yeah, it was never yeah, like that. Never. That's why he had so many teachings and had so many sermons because he was basically explaining why he why the old law was going to be done away with and the new law was going to be introduced. Yeah, and when people, it's funny because when people would ask Christ questions, it was kind of like, come and see. Or there was a parable. There was a, or there was a parable so that it could invoke thoughts. Exactly. That is, exactly. Oh, yes, I'm glad you picked up on that because that was the whole point of parables yes. is that Christ knew the ultimate goal was for that person to wake up and know their own Hour. He was a true teacher. He was a true, was a true teacher. teacher. It wasn't like, follow me and I'll tell you everything I, 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 like you need to know. Yeah, let me give you a cheat sheet. It wasn't, let me give you a cheat sheet. It was, here's a, here's a couple yeah. questions for you. Totally. Like, here, you have a question for me. Here's a couple questions for you that will lead it. you to your answer. Yeah, there, there's a reason why, like, I don't know why we don't discuss that Christ never established a church or an organization. He never did. Like, he just taught. He had his ministry. He left teachings. But he didn't actually set up an organization. And yet he could have. 
It's like, why didn't he? And so that, that's where I some, to, some people think he did. That's where I start to question like all these different aspects of like, we need religion, but it's so dangerous. I think he did set it up though. What? I think he did. I just don't think that there's, I could be, I could be totally wrong. Cause there are, there, I think that's, that's actually an argument that could, that we could probably go into. Not, not right would now. The church be? Because the Catholic he, church? Well, because he talks about how you should still meet and gather together. But he also, there's, there's like one verse where he talks about the 70. Yeah. He talks about how they created the 70 to go out and teach. So maybe you're right. Maybe like in terms of like sitting down in an organized way that the church is today, probably not so. Well, yeah, I should define that. So like we know from records that Christ studied with what's called the Essenes. They were this people that was basically like this, just like you would go to a monastery, right? With all these monks there and magis, it's established, it's there, but they're not like on a church. Mm. Does that make sense? So he yeah. went and trained with these Essenes, and that's where Christ learned a lot of this stuff. So I don't doubt that he established something like that to, to leave his teachings and whatnot to help people enlighten. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a... That's a question that could be gone in depth with. Yeah. Did he actually establish a church? Down. Write it down, brother. Okay, but I think to, to move forward, I'd like to wrap up God's love. Do you think we can do that? Mm-hmm. How long have we been going for? Hour and 13. We should wrap. Because we can keep going. I know these, I mean, I thought we'd get through a lot more today. Yeah, so did I. Now it's okay, this gives us more content. Okay, so I think... Uh, it's so hard, obviously, to quantify this. And it's so hard to, like, go over what you truly believe God's love is because there's so many examples, so many things you have to kind of bring into the context. And everyone's, everyone's journey is going to be different with what God's love is, too. You know? Like, my, my girlfriend and I, we've talked a lot about God's love. Yeah. And she, to this day, even though we've had a lot of conversations similar to what we, you and I have talked about today, it's still so hard for her to understand unconditional love from a heavenly being because she, was, she grew up in an environment where that was not the case. She grew up in an environment where it was, don't ask questions. This is just the way that it is. And if you ask questions, you're going to hell. Yeah. Which is just well, so wrong. It's so counterintuitive to what God's love actually is. And I, I really, this would be my last statement. I really and truly believe that if you can understand, if you can envision, if you can try really hard to understand what the perfect parent would be, right? The perfect way to be raised out of pure love. If you think of like the way that you would raise a kid, if you could do it perfectly and take away and strip away the, 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 the fallible things that you have in your own life and think of a, a perfect being that, that would parent a child as perfectly as possible that is god right that is god that is god's love to truly give you the best gifts possible that you don't even know that you need right whether that be a physical gift or whether that be a, a you know a token right like a little yeah. bit of knowledge so i i think that if you can do that if you can try and envision as hard as you can, what the perfect parent of unconditional love would be, then you're very, like, you're, you're very close to understanding, like, 
a surface level of what God's love actually is for you as an individual. And it's really hard for people to contextualize that and understand that, especially if they're, especially if you've lived in a life full of guilt mm-hmm. when you shouldn't have been living at full of guilt, but you did because you were raised that way. Right. When it's hard because we think through the, the frame of like, you know, a human and we try to think of God as this, this is just me personally for my beliefs. Like I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe God's a person. I don't believe God is actually a man up in heaven. I just don't believe that anymore. I don't, I don't really believe in the idea of like a heavenly father. Like I believe in the essence of you, but as like an actual man that's up there, I I don't believe in, I think it can be expressed as that, but I think the actual source is so much beyond that. And it's this source of like ever pervading, just infinite eternal love. And it wasn't until I started studying really energy and frequency that I was able to get over some of these emotions and beliefs because I was attaching it to like a, a human form and trying to think of this God in like human form who is somehow all perfect and loving, yet so many people I know are suffering. And then like you have war in Ukraine you have this. So it's like, okay, well, if he is this perfect guy, this parent, then it's like, what's up with all this? Like learning their lessons and so for me it was really tricky to try and contain that all down into this human figure and it was just like it's so much beyond that and i'm not saying it can't be expressed as that and that's that's where this is beautiful is that like through this journey everyone's going to adopt their own system that works for them but what's key is like that actual feeling of unconditional love however that's expressed and manifested is going to be different, but like the, the feeling of actually being real, and how you feel that, whether that comes from source, whether that comes from God, whether that comes from Allah, you're listening to this from a, a different, you know, religious viewpoint. It's like what matters is the actual force that you feel, the actual love that comes through for sure. I love that. And just to be clear, as we wrap this up, Our purpose of going over stuff like this is to provide context so that when we do ask those questions like Martin Luther did, right? We're asking modern questions. You have some context with what the church actually believes. Now, what the church actually believes is that God is an entity. Yes. An actual body of flesh and bone. A body of flesh and bone that's a perfect individual somewhere out there in in the universe that's watching over us, right? But it's just more powerful. That is the belief. And so I also think that the church's stance from a scriptural point of view is just that, what we've been talking about, that it is a apparently figure, but just heavenly. Mm-hmm. So that's hopefully you as our, as our listener, if you did end up watching this, you're able to differentiate what Talon and I kind of see as the true love of God versus what the church sees. Maybe we could have been a little more clear on that. I think we definitely could have been more clear. We but definitely like, could have been more it, clear there. It, there's just so many layers so to much. this. It's going to take us a bit to get better at organizing this in like sequential order. But I think we at least got the essence across. Um, I think that I think the church has beautiful intentions. Like I think there's great things there. I I just think that maybe the vehicle, the channel through which that love flows, has been blocked. It's been kind of Stipend. like so yeah. it's a little um clogged up you know 
Yeah, I agree like, with you. So, but it's important to kind of distinctly understand between the the difference there. And hopefully you hopefully you guys understand that. If you don't, sorry. We'll, we're going to get better at this as we go. The the point is that we want to make sure you have some context as to what the church believes. Yeah. So when we start asking these questions, these thought-provoking questions, you know that we're not coming from a place that we want to bash the church, but more so gain some more understanding and and attack this thing from a point of perspective of love. Yeah. And I also have one more thought on that which is that like the, another reason why we're actually asking these questions is because like <laughs> just went blank. we're Never asking mind. these I questions guess that, i guess that wasn't important because we can <laughs> yeah because we can no it's i think i think that it's just like we said at the beginning there are a lot of questions that need to be asked and they're just not being asked. And so we want to ask them so that you can feel like you have a place to be able to come and maybe gain some understanding and some perspective that you're not allowed to have. Yeah, I was I can't remember the exact thing I was gonna say, but it was along the lines of like I actually feel like for too long we've given the church too much grace. Too much like, ah, but it's like they have good intentions and then this and it's gone. It's like it's people, the leaders are human, they're fallible. And like I, I agree to all of that, but it's been going on for too long. Yeah, the levy, at, at the what, levy, the levy needs to break. At what point are you just like, yeah, but it's humans leading the church? It's like, and if we just said that about Biden, like, oh, he's just human. It's like, what? Like, at what, <laughs> at what point do you draw the line? Where's some responsibility? Like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of corruption and a lot of humans that are teaching this, and that comes from that. But like, yeah, we're accountable for more. So I. I feel like that's part of an underlying feeling of why we're doing these questions because I think it's gone on for way too long of us just. It's like, no, it's not. Exactly. It's Which not is, good. And that's, that's a big reason why we're doing this too. There's many, there's many reasons, but the, the point is we hear you. We know you guys are going through it just like we are. Dude. Let's all come together as one. Let's, let's, let's get some understanding of this because whether you like it or not, spirituality is a big part of your life. Mm -hmm. It needs to be. It's one of the four pillars, right? I think there's four pillars, right? You've got, you've got sex, you've got spirituality, you've got relationships. There's, there, there, there's some, me. there's, there's like, I, we'll have to look that up. There's pillars in life that you just can't go away without. And I mean, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual, right? That's what I mean. This is like, that's what I meant know, to say. I struggled with that. Those is, are the pillars. All religion, yeah. <laughs> All religion is, is just the physical manifestation of like a higher power, you know, well, an attempt at it. And, and if you don't have a source of higher power or belief in that, then I will say life is a little bit more muted. It's not quite as colorful because it's a lot more difficult. Yeah. Guess what? You're going to get to a point where you're hit so hard with such an unexpected adversity or trial that you can't make sense of it. You can't understand it with your, and it's at that point that you're like, I really hope there's something <laughs> like I'm praying there's something greater than this. Well, and that's, and that's where I think that everyone always talks about you need a foundation. If yeah. you don't have a foundation, you're going to be blown through the wind, whichever no. way the wind takes you. The shafts in the world. Like who wants that shit? We want to take control of our lives. All right. Tune in next week. We'll probably start going into the gospel of Christ, faith, repentance, baptism receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and during to the end 
Yeah. Probably go over all that shit next time. Bring some more context into what the church is. Maybe give a summary of uh, maybe more of how it was brought about. Anyway. And I also, well, in next episode, also dive more actually into our personal where yeah. we stand currently and maybe our process to get there. Because a lot of people watching this are, I guarantee, if they're watching it, they're going through a faith crisis. So it's like, well, what about you guys? Like, how did you navigate your crisis? Yeah, there's going to be some. We're, we'll bring the we'll bring the tissues for that one, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh. I think I think we'll talk about it because I think we need to figure out what we want to yeah. do there. We'll bring the stay tuned for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for joining. Talented Stephens Sunday service.